0: Welcome to another season of the Visitors Might Be Listening podcast, the host writer hosted podcast where we discuss all things related to science fiction. I'm your host, Lewis Ryan, returning for another exciting season. I am super excited today because I'm joined by two fabulous co-hosts. Firstly, I'll introduce Mr. Mike Levito. Mike, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I realize I'm wearing very noisy pants, which are maybe not a good <laughs> choice for a podcast, but well, I'll try to keep my legs as still as possible.
0: My other co host, who I hope has less noisy pants, is Mr. Chris Jobin. Chris, welcome.
2: Uh, thank, you, uh, thank you for having me. I have the least noisy pants, no pants at all. Pull, pull we'll, in a, we pull will pull a classic uh, Zoom meeting, uh, warm blanket. Donald ducking, we call it. Go, Look, I've got, I've got <laughs> underpants. I'm not a monster. Oh, okay. This is exactly
0: the kind of variety I'm hoping <laughs> Chris can provide to the podcast this season, so I'm, I'm super excited. So this season we'll be covering a a topic i'm very excited about we'll be covering planet of the apes the film series that everybody probably knows by now the now disney owned franchise planet of the apes um there's like nine films to talk about and today we're inaugurating it by talking about the original film from 1968. so i'm super excited to talk about that with everybody but first i wanted to just do a quick little introduction and uh, just open it up to the floor so I sent you guys an uh, email earlier asking what's your favorite science fiction movie and I thought we could just quickly talk about that since we're covering sci-fi movies this season and that's what this podcast is all about is works of science fiction so Chris, you're you're the newest member here so what's your favorite science fiction film?
2: I, I was thinking hard about it and it's a little bit of a cop-out but it's a weird enough one that I really like it uh, The The Man from Earth it's, I mean, like technically nothing sci-fi happens I guess unless you count the last... 10 minutes which are kind of my least favorite part of the movie uh yeah but it's it's just a nice little just like weirdly schlocky uh but somehow earnest and interesting all at the same time
0: yeah no that's a that's a really good choice i remember that um yeah it's it's kind of more like a play than a movie but it's really like committed to like big heady ideas and um, (laughs) similarly to the film we're discussing today it's more focused on conversation and ideas than big like action set pieces so i i really respect and admire that movie so mike uh, have you seen man from earth i
1: have yes i watched it with chris Um, oh right i forgot very very interesting movie yeah i didn't really know what to make of it when i first saw it and i haven't seen it since but but i I definitely enjoyed
2: it certainly thought provoking Mm. uh yeah i i i guess i can't tell how much of it is my love of like oh right that's how living forever would actually work like that that idea is so interesting to me that like you actually wouldn't be that much smarter like like the all of the vampire stuff is is not a total lie but like it's just not quite the same um uh, but i don't know it's 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 mix of like just on the face of it it should be uninteresting just because how schlocky sort of the acting is but like that it somehow sort of crests that point of always being pretty good um, in terms of the acting and stuff, that I'm, I'm, it's yeah, leaves me, always leaves me a little intrigued.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely, well worth a watch if you haven't seen it. Um, good, good choice, Chris. So, Mike, you have a lot to live up to now with the, your answer. <laughs> Mike, what's your favorite science fiction film?
1: Well, I'm going to absolutely disappoint everybody because I thought about it, and I was like, you know, I could say like Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which is a movie I really like. I could say the recent Dune because I really like Danny Villeneuve, as evidenced by my. Blade Runner 2049 fandom (laughs) I could say something like Annihilation or Ex Machina which are movies I like very much as well I could say the original Blade Runner but if I'm being like completely honest with myself and with you it's the original Star Wars which I know is I know is a terrible uninteresting answer but yeah I mean it was probably one of the first science fiction movies I watched and you know I I think that whatever your feelings about Star Wars and the way that franchise is kind of proliferated, existed, whatever you want to say, over, over the past couple of decades, I think that's, like, a pretty... I don't want to say unassailable, but, like, it's, it is is a very, very good, very entertaining, very fun movie. I think one of the reasons why, though, is that, like, what I love about science fiction is, like, the opportunity for this kind of worldly sound design, you know. I love movies that feel tangible, and to me, Star Wars has always felt very tangible, right? Like, the shine on darth vader's helmet feels real it doesn't feel like it was put there digitally because it probably wasn't you know the (laughs) hum of the lightsaber has become iconic it feels organic to that world and that's you know when i'm watching a science fiction movie that's one of the things i look for is does this feel
2: real to me does this feel lived in and uh star wars certainly does it's it's interesting you point to the sound design because i i really hadn't realized how core sound design was to making star wars amazing like you probably always knew oh the music is great but like even the rest of them like i mean in in semi stark contrast to the movie watched today that like without the sound design it really does every now and then you sort of take your takes your it takes you out of the movie that you're just watching charleston heston fight a guy in a monkey suit like <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah very very good choice mike in a very poetic way of describing a uh, sound design in a film and i i'm interested to see if there's anybody who's listening to this podcast who has not seen star wars <laughs> I'm wondering what kind of life choices led them to this all but, of, um, all they, the people
1: like over the age of like 12 or so who i've met who have never seen star wars now make it a point to have never to never watch star wars because yeah, it'll yeah. always be a conversation starter they have even though they're <laughs> depriving themselves. Even know.
2: I think some of them it's conversation started, and some of them it's like, no, fuck you. Like, oh, I, yeah. like, I've I've lived my life without this. I don't need this now. Like, yeah. it, it feels like uh, when in high school they told you to read, like a, like, a good book, and then, like, a decade later you just happened to read it, and you're like, fuck, this is a pretty good book. Like, there's a reason mm. to do it in school, but just because you told me to do it in school... Because you, you told me to eat my greens, I'm not gonna Well, yeah, that was me with the
1: iPhone for like a decade It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like I, I, don't, I don't want everyone's Apple product I, I'm gonna do a, have a Droid instead And then I got an iPhone mm-hmm. a couple months ago And it actually changed my life So,
2: uh, <laughs> yeah I, I wonder, is that the reason why I went the other route? Because I, I, I got mine as a gift At one point, and then I was like, well, I can't break the chain And then eventually, right? two or three years ago I'm like, fuck it, fuck you Apple, get out of my <laughs> life Yeah <laughs> I, I must have been, I struggle for it. It's, it's the, the UI and everything. I do miss it.
0: So, my, my favorite film, I went yeah, along a similar line like Mike and picked a uh, franchise film, one, one that I, I really enjoy a lot. It's definitely one of my top uh, films in general, but it's uh, Star Trek 6 The uh, Undiscovered oh. Country. <laughs> uh, um, right. a film that I, uh, one of the original series films that I think is kind of underrated compared to like The Wrath of Khan. Um, Mm -hmm. Definitely one that not a lot of people talk about, but I I like it partly because it's like the grand finale for like the original series crew, you know, it's the big 25th anniversary, but also I really like it because it's like a parable about like the fall of the Soviet Union and like the end of the Cold War involving like a a Chernobyl-esque disaster happening in the Klingon Empire and then the Klingons and the Federation have to broker peace and they sort of have to resolve like those Cold War-ish tensions. So it's a really, really great film. So I highly recommend that you guys check it out because I think it's really interesting. I feel like there's not a whole lot of films from that sort of era about like the fall of the Soviet Union. So I think it's really interesting um, in that respect. That's
2: really interesting. Yeah, where Especially in terms of like, I, I guess the Klingons as like a perfect encapsulation of the Russians, as we just think of them as like these brutal creatures that are only good at war or whatever.
1: Yeah, I, I, I am, I am Star Trek illiterate. I, I'm not very experienced with the series. So like, is that was that like a tv movie was that theatrically released
0: yeah no it was the it's funny the backstory was like they did star trek 5 the movie directed by william shatner and that did not work at all and then they were like yeah maybe we should just end star trek and then someone had the idea what if we did like a prequel movie about kirk and spock at starfleet academy and then they were like that'll never work <laughs> <laughs> um uh, ironic uh, 20 years later um uh, or so um but then, then they were like, you know what? Everyone's still around. They want to do another film. Let's do one last film for the 25th anniversary. So yeah, it was a theatrical release. They got Nicholas Meyer, who directed The Wrath of Khan and co-wrote uh, Star Trek IV: Voyage Home, another really good movie. Um, and he he sent the franchise off into a really uh, good uh, final chapter. Um, did that Did
2: that one actually make money, or is it just good?
0: No, I think it I think it made money. I think it did fairly well. It was, but it's like. The the rule with Star Trek films is like the odd ones are bad and the even ones are good, it? so that that sort of fit the trend. And uh, you know, I mean, Absolutely. they made Star Trek Generations right after, and that was like kind of like the the peak period for Star Trek, I think, when it's like TNG mm-hmm. was on and this movie, and then they spun off into Deep Space Nine and then the rest. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, I I think it's highly highly underrated. Um, mm-hmm. Check it out. I'm sure people will watch it now and be like, "Why are all these? Why am I watching all these old people <laughs> on screen?" But uh, it's great. It's great. The,
2: uh, have Have you watched Lower Decks?
0: No, I haven't. I haven't really watched a whole lot of like newer Star Trek stuff. Have you been watching Lower it's, Decks?
2: I, yeah, I I like. I don't know. I was on it for one reason or another and got hooked on it. It's It's a pretty solid comedy, especially a comedy that, uh, really, like. Makes jokes in the world. Like, it's making fun of Star Trek, but by people that actually know Star Trek rather than sort of like the Velma situation of just like belittling uh, the thing you're a part of to the point where it's not even interesting. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, I know there's certainly like Star Trek has like exploded in terms of like content the last few years. Like, it's yeah, honestly too much to keep track of. Um, <laughs> right. But, uh, yep, yeah, one aspect of Star Trek I think is underrated, and I think um, it's that it's very funny. Like you have the characters like Doctor McCoy, and he has he's, you know he has his kind of comedic bigotry against Spock. It's very very funny. So like one aspect of Star Trek I like is the sense of humor. But um, enough monkeying around, guys. We've got a movie to talk about, um, Planet of the Apes, 1968, and we can get started talking about it. First, I'll I'll throw down the gauntlet. Like, what were the expectations? Uh, Chris, have have you seen this film before?
2: i have not uh I, I think maybe i've seen a scene or two like a gif i think like it maybe like 15 minutes on tv but like the biggest thing that sticks in my mind is like everyone uh talking about the final scene um him sort of overacting maybe i think has sort of been one of the bigger notes especially in that final scene but it really is the thing that sticks in my head is uh when they were made a musical about it in The Simpsons, it's Dr. Zeus Dr. Zayus, and then he does the final big scene, all schlocky.
0: Yeah, from chimpanay to chimpanzee. <laughs> I, I hate every ape that I see. <laughs> uh, starring Troy McClure, who is very much yes. like Charles um, yeah, the... but Did you have like expectations of what you thought, you know, it's like a film from the late 60s? Yeah,
2: I, I was prepared uh, for sort of Twilight Zone level, and I like that's I feel, I feel like that it's like okay, what if you made gave the Twilight Zone like triple the budget and triple the runtime, um, and y- you can I think I liked it overall. Uh, like the uh, the monkey world, I think they did a really good job with um, the the it, it ran into sort of the seventies, eighties, or the the seventies. I guess 80s too, of, like, uh, like a lot of traveling scenes that, like, they don't really make that interesting but are just sort of grand vista sort of shots, uh, which kind of slow things down a little bit. But uh, overall, like, an interesting little movie.
0: Uh, Mike, uh, what, were, what were your expectations going in? I think you've seen this before, though. I have, yeah. I
1: saw it. Well, I, saw, I watched it. I, well, I've seen, like, parts of I remember. I think it used to run on, like, AMC a lot. Ah, uh, maybe that's what I've seen. I remember bit. seeing parts of it then, but, like, not actually sitting down, like, to consume it. And I did actually, I watched it with you, I believe, on the, do you have a, is a Blu-ray you have of this movie?
0: Yeah, I do have the Blu-ray. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: so but I had watched it in a couple of years, and, um, it's funny because, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting off a little bit of a cold right now, and I didn't get to watch this movie, like, I didn't have time to watch it until around, like, 10 p.m. last night. And so there was part of me that was like, am I going to be, like, kind of tired out and checked out of this movie? Mm-hmm. And then I started watching it and I was like, no, this is actually like very engrossing. Like this is like a movie that I think uh, the effects are like, I mean, like obviously dated compared to 2023 effects, but Further so era, like- look great, I think, or very good at least. I think visual, like cinematography wise, like I think this is actually like, a very pretty movie and I really enjoyed like the very kind of straight face nature of it. You know the the way that Charlton Heston's playing very straight, even though he says some kind of funny things. Um, and, but then also how you that damn like, ditty apes! <laughs> yes. Um, well, the one that Lewis and I joke about is there was love making, but there was no love. No love. Um, <laughs> but then they also slip in lines like, "What was it? It was like he was like a gorilla to remember, or something like that. A gorilla, <laughs> a gorilla for the ages, is what it was. Yes, yes. Um, and, the lawbreaker. Yeah. So yeah, I. Enjoy this movie, and maybe I'm getting ahead of stuff, but like, I didn't realize this was directed by uh, Franklin J. Schaffner. Do you know what the next movie he made was? No, but it I was do. It was Patton, which he won the Oscar for. Really? <laughs>
2: there you go. <laughs> and,
1: and I also didn't realize until watching this that Rod Sterling was involved, so I didn't realize how much of a pedigree there actually was behind this movie, mm-hmm. even though I'd always enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, apparently I was watching the um the two hour doc I think AMC produced about the the franchise and Franklin J Schaffner like this was like his first Is it called real behind like, the ape, yeah I think behind the Planet of <laughs> the Apes. That. Oh, okay. Franklin J Schaffner, this was like his first real like big movie, Planet of the Apes, and it's like the uh, Daryl Zanuck who was in charge, who was the president of Fox, was talking about how it was like he he really came in and had like a strong vision about like because he, he was just like talking about Schaffner as just like, oh, I, you know, I knew he was like a competent director, but he, he really had like a strong vision for this movie, which uh, I think carries through. Because uh, in, ter- in terms of my expectations, I remember really enjoying this movie when I first saw it, but it is kind of one of those things when you think about like Planet of the Apes, and it's like, you know you know, apes in like the green suit, whatever, and it's like there's a bunch of them, and it's like you compare like, oh, this came out in the same year as 2001, you know, one of the great science fiction films and it's like oh this film about you know a planet full of monkeys that are evil um and it's like oh how can this possibly hold up and then it's like you watch it and it's like wow they take this completely seriously it's focused on like big ideas and stuff and it, it's just great the whole way through so i'm i'm really glad you know to to re-watch it and revisit it with you guys um and chris uh, you know watching it for the first time so i'm excited to talk about it yeah. D- um, just as
1: an aside, I'm looking at Franklin J. Schaffner's filmography. He also directed the uh, the tour of the the televised tour of the White House that Jackie Kennedy gave in 1962, which means he has he directed two things that were plot points in Mad Men episodes: the, <laughs> uh, the White House tour
2: and Planet of the Apes. So there you go. I love I love to think uh, whatever the creator uh, the creator of Mad Men just like trolling through his like oh what can we do how do yeah. we connect these points?
0: This <laughs> is like on the Wikipedia page for the 60s. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a story. There's a story. An, oh, there's a story. Uh,
2: I, I saw I caught a lot of like little weird things that like um uh the uh, Robert Gunner the the one who gets uh who gets pithed um uh that like every now and then there'll be a shot that's not him. Like not even just like during like the action set pieces, like the first time when he's in the bed, I'm 80% sure that man is a totally different guy. Cause he looks, he looks like Sean Connery, like, uh, like just little stuff like that. And then uh, even, even in that scene, did you guys notice when, so he, he does his big monologue at the beginning, right? And then he goes to like go to sleep and he looks over at uh, uh, Stanley with this insane look is it like i can't tell if it's like lust or contempt or what it is but it's just this like weird look and then like goes off to bed and so it's it's such like an interesting way to begin this movie of him just being kind of a cynical asshole. um uh, yeah i thought it was very interesting sort of totally almost against screenwriting uh, 101 but i guess when you're the only human being left when it's when it's an asshole human versus a mildly nice Abe, you're always going to choose the human
0: yeah, that, so let, let's talk about the opening, I guess, because um, oh, uh, I guess we can talk about that and Charlton Heston in general, mm-hmm. um, just, like, go around. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Charlton Heston, I think he's, like, fabulous in this movie. Um, like we were saying, he's definitely, like, sort of that Troy McClure-esque mm-hmm. kind of actor that you we don't really get to see any much uh, more in filmsy days, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but he has this, like, great, like... he has He, like, embodies, like, dignity, and he has, like, this great stentorian voice... And like he has this great like like I think very Rod Serling esque dialogue where he's like contemplating does man still make war against himself, himself. <laughs> trapped in the future it's like it's really great and it's really yeah. um it really establishes his character as like he's kind of like ambivalent about humanity if not outright cynical it's it's very interesting in terms of like comparing this to like a, if you made if you were gonna make this film today. I feel like studio heads would be like, I'm not sure if we want to have a character like this be like the leaves <laughs> of the movie. Like,
2: oh. who, who, who actively laughs at an open grave. Like, it's like th- th- that meme of him laughing. Like, I knew that was from this movie, but I did not realize it was oh, yeah, uh, after the death of uh, one of the other, uh, uh, one like of the other, astronaut Astronauts. Thank you, one of the other astronauts. Like, one of the uh, another astronaut makes a great a small grave for them and he la- cackles maniacally at the thought of having a grave i guess <laughs> like
0: <laughs> well it's not just that it's like the idea if you put like a uh, land and put a miniature american flag and flag on top that, of that is grave. weird it's that like he
2: brought like to to in a in a drowning spaceship be like i gotta get the tiny american flags <laughs>
0: But, you know, it's funny because it's, like, they know they're 2,000 years in the future because he talks mm-hmm. about how, like, the time dilation works. But it's, mm-hmm. like, it, it is kind of funny to, like, assume, like, that America would still be around 2,000 years in the future, that, like, anyone would care. It is kind of, like, crazy. I mean, it's, like, what mm-hmm. what is the mindset of someone signing up for this mission, mm-hmm. you know, where mm-hmm. it's, like, you will end up 2,000 years in the future. <laughs> It's like, so you can't wrap your mind around it. Yeah. If,
1: there, if, if there's one kind of
2: underexplored element of this movie, I think it's probably that one. Where they hey, say... We, we get a very clear picture that Robert Gunner is the uh, goody two-shoes that couldn't say no. Uh, Jeff Burton uh, wants to know everything. And that uh, Diane Stanley is woman. So we, we've covered all the yeah, bases. They,
0: they need to repopulate with her. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Is, is the first Eve. Yeah. Whatever he says. Jesus Christ. Were you
0: guys thinking about how, like, wouldn't it make more sense to, like, invert it? Have, like, three women and one man?
2: Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, that, that would probably, be logical, but that that would require fem- women to be major characters in this film. It would probably be more efficient, yeah. Like, they they don't just fridge her. They, like, it's... Yeah. Because, like, fridging, she has to be, like, a part of the narrative. She's just like, oh, yeah, kill her off immediately. Have her be... At least they, like like talk about it like oh fuck it. it's sad she died and but it's really just a ploy for him to be like no fuck you her death doesn't matter like like just to really double down on the cynicism so i'm like oh fuck it like it, in one way a wild choice but in the other uh uh like uh, really yeah another interesting ploy of like almost the opposite of the save the cat of like mock the dead woman
0: Uh, What I I love about that is that it's, like, uh, when you have these tropes of, like, they have these miraculous suspended animation chambers that can work for Mm -hmm. 2,000 years, it's always, Mm -hmm. like, they work perfectly, except in every Mm -hmm. movie I think I've ever seen, there's always, like, one person (laughs) who it's all, like, they wake up and it's, like, oh, it cracked, (laughs) (laughs) so they're dead. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a movie where there wasn't, like, oh, oh, darn it, Jerry's dead, oh, jeez, the (laughs) cracked a little, Darn. We, uh,
1: weirdly the only one i can think of is don't look up where uh, they uh they land on the planet and they're like ah well like 90 percent of us died but you know uh the rest of us are okay and all that then, uh,
2: then they get fucked up by the things or whatever yeah Not to spoil don't awful worry. movie but, but. <laughs> yeah. um but my my favorite uh, do, do you guys remember the movie passengers
0: yeah with chris uh uh Chris Hemsworth, Pratt. yeah, that Pratt, they, they made Pratt. into like
2: a a, a no, not, action rom com when it should have obviously been a and to be fair I'm stealing this from other people on the internet but I it's so good I've taken it on as my own that it should have definitely been a horror film where like it's from her perspective and you slowly <laughs> learn he was the one that woke you up and like doomed you both to death.
0: Yeah, that that film was begging for a like at the end it like zooms out and like the aliens are watching them in a zoo <laughs> and it was like they orchestrated <laughs> everything. <laughs> um yeah so um do, what do you guys think of uh, charlton heston and his character
1: i think he's a lot of fun i i enjoy yeah. watching him he delivers these monologues convincingly That's you know fun. there is some unintentional humorous in some areas which which i think only adds to the effect um he reminded me a little bit of like willem dafoe some of his facial expressions in this movie yeah. um certainly a Big. bit of a, a very different role than like ben-hur but, but he,
0: he has like this, he's playing it like he's in Ben-Hur. Yeah. Which yeah, I think is great.
1: I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, yeah, he's playing it very, very, very straight. And I think that is only to the movie's benefit. No,
2: I, I, I appreciate him. I, I think maybe the, the parody of him has gotten to my trust in him a little bit. Because I, I totally agree. Whenever he's doing dialogue, I'm totally there. Like, even if it's the craziest dialogue. But like whenever he's just screaming, when he's just like, "ah," Like that kind of thing. Like, I think that's been drawn into me too much. Uh, sorry to blow out the mics. Um, like, th- that's... Like, that That every now and then, I'm like, I, I, it takes me out of it a little bit. But I'm, I'm still there for most of it.
0: What I think is like, it, it's like it's open to like ridicule and parody because it's like, it's so earnest. Like, there's that's no true. winking at the camera. There's no mm-hmm. like, modern day, like the MCU kind of humor in this mm-hmm. where it's like... Um, they're making jokes oh, i mean like it's the biggest, scratch or whatever yeah. yeah the biggest joke i think is when the, the ape prison guard is says like oh you know what they say human see human do <laughs> Do. <laughs> but like he's it's playing it so earnestly like it's like genuinely like ben hur <laughs> in this
2: uh movie I, um, I i can't believe how well they say the word simian. like it, it just flows into conversation incredibly well like, uh, I was like, fuck it, I believe it. You, you nailed the right term. Because, like, they're not just being, like, every now and then they're like, oh, he is unape an ape And it's like, ah, that's not as good. You got Simeon right there, man.
0: The, you know, there's this big uh, spaceship crash and they land on this alien planet. And uh, Chris already talked about this a little bit. But, like, um, I wanted to talk about this. So it's like there's this long setup, like, after they land on the planet where it's just our, our characters, Taylor and Landon and Dodge, are the three astronauts and they're wandering around. And I, I was timing this. Uh, on my dvd player so it's we don't see any of the apes until 32 minutes into the film which is like a mm-hmm. solid third into the movie so i wanted to to ask you guys Luke, what did you think of this section uh, when you're watching chris obviously for the first time experience in micah uh, rewatching what did you think of this this uh section of the film
2: i thought it was pretty solid i, I guess sort of going back to is like they they caught up at the beginning is like oh we have three days to find water or whatever it's like oh shit this, this might be a little boring but i think they do a pretty good job the only thing that kind of takes me out of it is when they when they find the plant and they all three at the same time like <laughs> dig in and pull it up together it's like what why why have you done this <laughs> like uh, like w- when they're like jumping into the water all that makes sense they're sort of like scrambling over each other to get there but the rest of it like the uh even the, the boulder falling down the hill, I thought that was done pretty well.
0: Yeah, I, I'm wondering if, like, now that you mention it, if, like that the thing with the plant was maybe something that was scripted by, like, Serling or Wilson, they, like, imagined it, like, being directed or something in a different way, and they just stuck literally to the script of, like, they all pick up this thing.
2: Like, I guess you're all supposed to do it together. <laughs>
0: Schaffner didn't want to, like, overrule that. But, um, yeah, rewatching watching this, uh, you know, I haven't seen this movie in years, and this is, like, only my second time watching it. I really, like, appreciated this, like, long setup where it's, like, they're just wandering around. It really gets you, like, invested, and it really, like, sets the, the tone really well. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if Mike has much more to add to that on top of me.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I, I also think it's pretty impressive. The video you just, just really stands out where this is, like, not something I feel like you see in lots of modern, like, sci-fi blockbusters, right? You know, they're, they're a little noisier, a little more direct, whereas this is kind of more contemplative and, and quiet. And, but what I do like, too, from an almost kind of like meta perspective is that like, you know, you see they run into like the, the scarecrows or the scare apes or scare people, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, yeah. And then um, you see like these figures with like spears and stuff walking on the ridge, but you can't really make them out. And if you're somebody who's going to the movie Planet of the Apes, you assume
2: those are the apes. No, these are the apes. No, totally. But it turns out not. They're, they're actually yeah. other humans. That was the one thing I kind of had against them is like, okay, so you see these things that are obviously made by people and then you jump into the water and just abandon all of your, like your, your scarce resources. Like, I guess to a certain extent, oh, you've, you've been dying out in the wilderness for water to to drink, but like, I don't know, that that was like to, to spend what feels like 20 minutes naked in the water, just chilling and then all get out of the water and look down at a footstep and be like, hmm, what is this? like uh without goodness i i I understand they have to like be robbed of all of their stuff but uh i don't know i thought that was a little a little silly (laughs) that shot where they're all three like they all three like one of the one of the scientists gathers the other two and they're all ostensibly butt naked and it's only shot to like a height like whiz it's like okay you gotta you can't show dong i understand but like (laughs) there's there's so little ass like was ass also against it like I feel in my mind like man ass doesn't count, but maybe this is sort of a different era. I was surprised there was as much as there was, to be
1: frank with
0: you. Yeah, I mean it's definitely a di- different era because this is a G-rated film, um, oh, that's with true, that's true. you know this glorious G-rated nudity in it. <laughs> um,
2: I, I mean, I like this got, got a G when there's like I guess it's not very bloody deaths, but like someone several people are shot in the neck and like you just sort of like, see people die pretty regularly. But I guess there's like no blood or anything
0: yeah well i mean at the time there was only i think there was only g pg r and x I
2: yeah think I those were the only right. ratings yeah
0: and um the in the documentary watch zanick was talking about how they the studio was definitely aiming for this film to be like a family experience so because gotcha. like kids can like watch it and just enjoy oh the adventure on the planet of apes and then the mm-hmm. parents can enjoy the you know well-written dialogue and social themes and stuff like that so that they Weird were definitely a hierarchy
2: ended. of the ape creatures i thought I that thought was a good line in terms of like like what like the second line from the apes is like well they got rid of the they got rid of the caste system or whatever <laughs> it was like ah but it's but just because you say you get rid of it doesn't mean it actually ends i was like oh that's kind of interesting
0: yeah it's a, the film's very smart about the ways it shows how they're kind of repeating the same flaws as a mm-hmm. uh, human society again and like commenting on that 32 minutes in we're finally introduced to like the promise of the premise of the title, where we have these apes ruling uh, on this planet, and um, we we finally are introduced to like ape society, and then um, we Taylor is sort of brought into the fold with um, Dr. Zira and Cornelius. Um, what did you think? What did you think of these characters, Mike?
1: Dr. Zira and Cornelius. Yeah, I th- I thought they were pretty good. You know, I I enjoyed like their position as kind of like the, you know. The, the the two figures like devoted to science right like they actually just want to know more and they just want to uh further their understanding of the world even if that puts them at odds with dr Zeus and the ministry of science or whatever it's called so yeah i you know I, I think they're like pretty effective bridges between like taylor and like our understanding of human society and their and their understanding of ape society right i think that's done pretty effectively
2: neither of them see him as their equal at all even even as he begins talking doing everything that she's just like oh he's an incredibly smart human he could be the answer to my test and at best for him he's like oh fuck this this guy's a nuisance he's going to get me he's going to be kicked out of my job like i don't i thought that was kind of nice that, that would feel like in a normal movie e- even at the end of the film they're still like hold that similar mindset uh, Versus, like, in sort of the newer age versions of this film, it feels like they'd be like, no, they're just, he's just like one of us.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting the way that um, uh, they play it. Because, like, Charlton Heston, like, can't, doesn't, like, talk for, like, the entire, like, middle portion of the movie, which is a very interesting, very interesting choice, and definitely something I Mm -hmm. couldn't imagine happening today. Um, This definitely, like, I remember when i watched this the first time i was kind of confused because I, I, I guess i missed the part where he like gets stabbed in the neck or whatever so i was just shot, like he wondering. Gets
2: sh- that the the uh what's his name what's uh what the the black uh the, the black uh, astronaut jeff, is dodge yeah yeah Je- or, yeah jeff burton gets uh shot in the neck immediately dies charles has to get shot in the neck like survives like two days getting carried back for for blood mm-hmm. but it's like okay i guess it's a different neck wound but even still
0: yeah, but so, anyways, like I guess I like blinked and missed that part when I watched this the first mm. time. So I was like wondering, like, why isn't he talking <laughs> like, during the whole middle part <laughs> of the movie? Weird. I'm like, just just say something, and Taylor. It's like you can resolve the whole situation with your words. So yeah, that was funny. Um, I really I really enjoy Doctor Zira and Cornelius. Um, you know, big shout out to the makeup itself yes. on the Apes, mm-hmm. Academy Award winning. And, uh, you know, the, the performances themselves. I really like Roddy McDowell in this series of movies. He's really like the anchor in these uh, first five movies. He plays uh, Cornelius here. So I, I really enjoy him in the film a lot.
2: The, the one, I, I think, especially their facial makeup is amazing. The one thing that really threw me off is their kiss. It's just like, oh, give me oh. a kiss. And then they just like mash their faces together. <laughs> and they kind of like nibble on each other, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. A little strange. Which, I, the, the nibbling, I feel like the the, the the jaw, like, is effective, so it's, like, a little weird, but at least that makes sense. With the mouth, it's just, like, neither of them can have yeah. pursed their lips, so it's just this weird, like, meh. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, that is very awkward. Um, I, it, you know, they could just, like, nuzzle each other's, like, heads, and it that, would probably play better. Living, but it, right, yeah. uh, that might have been something, again, where they're just literally following the script, <laughs> like, yeah, they kiss. Look. And it's like, well, can't do anything. <laughs> the script says so. <laughs> Yeah, so we're introduced, like, to this Ape Society. Chris, what did, you, what did you think of, like, the production design of Ape City, whatever?
2: I thought it was pretty cool. I, li- I like the sort of, like, Adobe feel. It's, it's sort of, the mix of technology is very interesting. And, like, uh, we'll get into a little bit later, but, like, the, the idea of, like, here is a talking man and that you are refusing to uh, admit that he is real. And, like, at first, at least you think, it's like, oh, this is sort of a bad setup. And then you goes oh, no, this is part of the premise like, they are denying reality. Like, that it's sort of, like, almost like a Soviet Union-style trial of, like, even if something in the middle of the trial happens against the trial, the, the the subject is already preordained, so you don't need to worry about it. Um, So that's that's why you can have, sort of, like, guns and, like, uh, semi-complex technology, but then also otherwise just sort of be pretty Stone Age. Yeah, I, I liked how it, it's, like, just
1: advanced enough, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. Or it's, like, they're not, like you said, not living in the Stone Age, but they are... You know they're not living they, they don't really seem to have like machine guns. Ma- like, yeah machine guns are like you know i think they have like electricity right it doesn't seem yeah. like they do There's something very like victorian about it i feel and and i enjoyed that like and it also like the, the one like that really stood out like shot that really stood out to me was like yeah. right after they kind of you know fend off the uh, the human scavengers in, from their fields is Dang. like the, the the picture that like some of the hunters take like in front of like the dead human yes. bodies like <laughs> yes. it reminded me of like there's like the iconic picture of like the hunters in front of like the buffalo skulls like mm-hmm. that struck me as a very kind of like uh sophisticated visual reference
2: especially the like the, the human body and like the human bodies just sort of splayed beneath them I was, yeah like, oh, shit it's a, yeah. it's a good shot
0: it's very disturbing when you sort of like switch like traditional like roles that we would have for like an animal and switching with a human like when taylor is running through the museum and it's like all the taxidermied humans and like especially the one of dodge the astronaut it's just like it's really disturbing yeah. mm-hmm. to think about it really makes you think about like animal rights in a way kind of too
2: that one did give me a little bit of i thought taylor did an amazing job staying still but like the shot before that like, you can see them doing this, and it's just, like, the the extras are moving just enough that you're just, like, oh, they this is, like, the fifth take. I'm sure they're tired.
0: Yeah, I noticed that, too. It's, like, they're moving, and it's, like, why not just make statues? But I guess it's cheaper just to hire an extra. Oh, and put way
2: cheaper up. to pay an extra to do it. Yeah.
0: Um, and it, it, pays, it, pay, it makes sense, like, when you see, like, that Dodge is the next one when the camera pans over. It's, like, exactly, oh, that's why. Exactly. Yeah. Um, just pay them. Sorry, Mike, you were there.
2: saying
1: something? No, I was going to say, it's, like, you know, I agree it's also, like, a very disturbing scene, but you think about, it like, this is only. This movie came out only seventy-five years after, like the Chicago World's Fair, where there was like a literal human zoo, of like fair. That's fair. That's people fair. from, you know, I like believe, Africa I believe Africa and and yeah. I think Asia as well. well can you so.
0: expand on this a bit? For. Because I, I don't know about
1: this. Yeah, so, like, the the Chicago World's Fair. I mean, World's Fairs used to be just, like, a thing in general. No, I know World's uh,
0: Fair, but, like, the human zoo specifically. Right, yeah.
1: So, basically, like, I mean, and this, was, did, this didn't just happen at the Chicago World's Fair. Uh, excuse me, it was the St. Louis World's Fair I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. And this was 1904, so actually this was even, this was only 64 years afterwards. Right. It's basically, like, you know, a bunch of... This was when the U.S. still owned the Philippines, and they actually brought mm-hmm. a bunch of, like... You know Filipinos to the St. Louis World's Fair and displayed them as yeah. like and, you know. and paid
2: paid them like change to be there and like yeah like just mix it was like oh we don't know Filipino get in there and act uh, act like we think you want to sort of thing and right I think I, they also had some uh, Inuit there as well and mm-hmm. like of course it's like just a caricature of what they think happens that kind of stuff
1: exactly yeah and there was um there there were yeah there were a couple like famous examples of especially in Europe like you know, during like expeditions to Africa, like, you know, Mm -hmm. finding African uh, people and like basically touring them around Europe and being like, you know, look at, look at these savages from Africa, basically.
2: And then they get up on stage and do whatever the people think is their thing and then go out and have a smoke afterwards. Like it's sort of...
0: That's an interesting portrait of history. (laughs) Yeah. That uh, unfortunately makes you watch like a, a film like this and you think... Someone who's, like, uh, ignorant might look at, like, the Mm. sillier aspects of this and be like, oh, you know, this never happened. It's like, oh, but it's, you know, based on real stuff. Don't don't even
2: have to be a different uh, uh, species. You can just be a different race. And people will be like, "Mm, no, those aren't humans. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, so, well, this film, obviously, you know, I've talked a bit about how it's, like, full of ideas. You know, I feel like it's, like, a pretty good science fiction film that actually focuses on sci-fi ideas as opposed to action so like what, what are some of the themes that we, we see in this movie what, what, what does this movie make you think about when you watch it
1: well th- I mean this, this clash between sort of like faith and science I mean I think is pretty um, mm-hmm. evidence you know there, there's the kind of uh, I, I enjoyed like the very straightforward conflict of interest of Zayus being both I believe the minister of science and defender of yeah. the faith the right faith, yeah. there's something very sort of like medieval Catholic church about that and you know I, I, this this idea that uh, you know Zayus knows that it's not that he's like a blind zealot or anything like he knows mm. that Taylor is is like the genuine article, right? Or he knows that he he is, he is he he doesn't necessarily buy maybe that he was an astronaut, but but he knows that he's
2: he he he's telling. He's a sentient man. It's yeah. the thing I, I fear most.
1: Yeah, um, but he's he's doing his best to to maintain like civil order and then actually like just to. Um, prevent basically, you know, nuclear war. Apparently, <laughs> he, he's he's suppressing knowledge of, of man's past, and so I found I don't. Know, I that, that's one that obviously stands out to me.
2: The, the idea that this movie is pro censorship is is very interesting. I guess it, it's just like oh, this is sort of an era in which like well, if we have nuclear bombs, we're definitely going to eventually use them on each other, no matter what. Like so that would it would it be so terrible to live uh without medicine so long as we don't destroy each other in nuclear war it's like oh that makes some if if those are the options
0: uh yeah one of the things that stood out to me was the 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 trial scene and like like persecution and like like you were saying chris it's kind of like soviet-ish like the way he's just being denied sort of existence (laughs) at his own trial ostensibly um, really stood out to me, and one of the things that I think illuminated that to me more is in learning that uh, one of the other screenwriters, Michael Wilson, was actually part of the the blacklist mm. during the nineteen um. fifties. So he was brought in front of like the Senate, and you know pr- participated in like those hearings. And so like a lot of that is taken from that. And it really is just like the, the, What these films I think represent is that it's sort of like the apes. Apes are like a big allegory for like humanity. And it's, like, they can really just be as, like, horrible as possible. But it's, like, you have this veneer of, like, apes. And it's really... It really, like, mm-hmm. reflects a lot about, like, humanity just, like, sucks. That's, like, what I get out of watching these movies. I think it's, like, it kind is. of brilliant in a way. Because it's, like, it's such a simple idea of, like, just take humans and just replace them with apes. And then it's, like, equals profit. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Well, and, and you guys talk about, like, the idea that he does not talk for a fourth of this movie. And the first line that he says as soon as he's able to talk again, is, get your hand off me, you damn dirty ape. Like, it's like, oh, that's why this line became so iconic. Like, it's not just that he did it and he did it so well, but, like, that this was, like, the payoff of, like, basically a half hour of the movie. The change from him decrying the apes to then at the end he is decrying humanity because the apes are humanity and we caused this, etc., etc. et cetera.
0: Yeah, and that line, that iconic line, it's like, it's, think about it, it's like the first imagine it's like that like an ape could talk and like that's the first thing it says you'd be like (laughs) oh my get your hand off me you
2: human it's like oh jesus christ this this person has like a vivid understanding of the world he's been living in
0: what do you guys appreciate this movie in in its totality and like the the way it ends and then like well like the the part before the ending scene itself like Mm -hmm. there's the whole ending like last third or quarter of it and then like the Mm -hmm. ending itself what do you guys appreciate?
2: I, I I appreciate that it really gets into, like, the fake archaeology. I thought that was really interesting. And that, like, the timeline matches up that, like, okay, so, so it's been 2,000 years, 1,700 years ago, like, the first idea of, like, the next set of apes that might become human come. So that there is, like, a sort of 300-year period where, like, okay, you have nuclear war, you have nuclear fallout, you have, like the world coming back to its normal self and then evolution starts up again. Like the, the timetable makes sense and that like the guy is actually an archaeologist that Zaius double crosses them but doesn't double cross him. Like, I don't know. Is It's it's a bit of a stretch that like he sort of gives him that much leeway but it feels like a really, uh, like a real brave new world situation. Did you guys ever read that book? I have not. No, I have not so, read it. Uh, unlike 1984 where sort of like anyone with like thought is sort of crushed um in brave new world like if one of the guys is sort of stupid and weird and the other one is like incredibly smart and so both of them are sort of uh can see through the the sort of uh, setup that is made in front of them um and instead of like uh uh imprisoning them or destroying them it's like Oh yeah, you can just go over to that island over there. Like, there's like an island. Like, for the people that sort of like don't fit into the society, you can just go live over there on that island and have a good time. I think it's like Iceland or something. Um, so it feels like very much like that. It's like, oh yeah, fuck it. go to the go to the jungle on the other side of the desert. We don't give a shit about you. Like, I don't. I thought it was kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed how it, like it quieted back down again. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the, this kind of escape, and and there's some exciting stuff. You have the whole courtroom scene. You have the confrontation the initial confrontation at least between Zayas and Taylor and it quiets down they, they, they travel more again and then it you know it ramps back up there's some more action there's there's some gunfire exchanged but then it also quiets down again until the very end when you know again like talking about how quiet this movie is what really stood out to me was that we it doesn't even end with like a big musical cue right it just ends with the sound of and decrying
2: of, the world yeah.
1: and 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 the sound of like waves oh, waves breaking onto the the shore and then then roll credits right like even when 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 it you get the shot of the Statue of Liberty there's no like da da, da, da right yeah <laughs> you yeah. know just let that
2: uh, you let people because you because you don't even need it because like I'm sure the first time this showed people are like oh fuck like mm. uh and I I was a little uh, like miffed is too strong a word but like when uh when uh charlton heston like immediately get they get off the ship and he's like we're on omicron b z said and like they do follow it up with like well he didn't see the screen like he's just talking out his ass but, like the idea that you do just like pull that out and he had no i mean not no good reason for it but he doesn't even give a justification of why he thinks it's this like just like oh that's i think that's the trajectory maybe or something like that um uh he has he he's able to defend that it's 2000 years in the future but not that that he thinks it's another planet, um, but I, I, I'm okay with that. Like, well, a single line that you you immediately undercut, like, it's still pretty good. It's still yeah. a solid payoff.
1: And what I think works too is that, you know, you never have somebody saying, oh, yes, the humans all blew themselves up with nuclear bombs, right? The movie trusts <laughs> yeah, yeah. the viewer to infer mm-hmm. all of that. And right. I think, it, it, you know, there's a very, there's kind of like, I feel like there, there are like two things going on if I think about it too much, which is like, A, this is like, the uh the opposite of riding out into the sunset right it's Mm -hmm. like taylor literally gets on a horse goes with nova his his mute bride basically (laughs) and rides out just along the coastline seemingly free and then all of a sudden he makes this horrible discovery and again like we said there's no bombast when he makes the discovery outside of charlton heston's line reading right we are Mm -hmm. left with just what he is hearing like it's only diegetic sound and to me, there's this kind of like, uh, it's the old line from Hallow Men, you know, this is how the world ends, not with a bangle, with a whimper. And to me, this, this movie definitely ends with that whimper, right? An effective whimper, to be clear. But like, it reinforces that, you know, the end of humanity will not be, we will, we will not experience the sort of cataclysm of the end of humanity, you know, it will be something that happens in an instance, and then, you know, what's lef- left of us will seem pathetic.
2: I think what, sp- speaking of uh, uh, well, what's her name again? Nova. Nova. Like it's it, the idea and the, the his big line to her of like uh, like you guys were saying it's it's uh, I uh, there was a lot of love making but no love. The idea that he he immediately falls in love with a woman, who I'm sure he's fucking Charlton Heston and a, a space captain like back when he's in the old world, getting equally beautiful women. The only difference between those other women and him is that she's a mute. And it's What does that say about his character? That like, oh, she she can't speak? I love her. Like, that's, let, me be her, let me be her my wife forever. And maybe it's the line that he's sort of saying is like, oh, she's the last woman on Earth. But it's like, that's not true. We saw like a bunch of them. She's just the only movie star level actress left on Earth, I guess.
1: Well, I, I kind of read that as he's not in love with her so much as that He's now in this like animalistic state, and he's realizing how similar this state was to his his like quote unquote modern existence on Earth, right? Back on Earth, I guess. I like guess. There, there, there is
2: still love making with no love. Okay, but I, I don't know. But like then, there's the line later. It's like, oh, I didn't know human beings could be monogamous. It's like, well, but I guess that his follow up this line is like, uh, like, well, when she's the last woman on Earth, not literally something like that, but something closely. Like okay, okay, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, I think what's part of that. What makes it interesting is, like you're saying, Chris, Mm -hmm. it's like there's some shades of gray going on here. So I think that's part of the appeal, at least for me, like watching these movies, that I feel like they're very much like the anti Star Wars. Like, not only, I feel like the tone Mm -hmm. is very depressing, really, when you get right down Mm -hmm. to it. It's very nihilistic about humanity and stuff. There's no, like, we're, we're, you know, the underdog's going to defeat the empire. It's like that really doesn't happen. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, you can. Like, the ending is kind of weird. It's not really like a big ending, you know? It's more just like a disquieting uh, thing. And it's the anti Star Wars, like, we, George Taylor, the character, is not like Luke Skywalker, where he's like the hero. I mean, you could have sort of assumed that going in, because he's like an astronaut. He's very much in like the, um you know, Joel Kinnaman and For All Mankind esque mode of, you know, All American Hero. But it's like he's very despondent about humanity and like the world he's leaving behind. And he's like, he has that kernel of hope that maybe there's something better, but like he all he finds is just more terrible, terribleness awaiting him. And I think that's part of um, like you were saying, like the, the, the ending itself. What I what I appreciate about this is it's not like it's not like there was no setup to like the mm. ending with the mm. Statue of Liberty. In fact I feel like what what I like about it is very much like especially that scene at the end with Zayus telling him it, Zaius is like, you don't, you don't really want to, wanna know. Yeah. Well, er,
2: earlier in their confrontation i think he says something about like humanity destroying themselves and you're like what's what's this like i don't know yeah it's sort of alluding to the next step
0: yeah it kind of it reminds me a bit of like um twin peaks in a way when there's like the reveal halfway through the series of uh you know what's going on um and then Mm -hmm. it kind of like recodifies like the first half of the show in a way and like you know contextualizes the themes uh, as as people say in the, the improv comedy, you know, it's like you have to justify the ridiculous situation. It's like mm-hmm. you can just come in and be like, "Hey, you know, my head's a fish stick or whatever," and then you have to justify mm-hmm. it. And then that that's part of why it's funny is that you justify it successfully. And I think this film sort of, you know, has all that set up with the ridiculous well, not you know, ridiculous on paper mm-hmm. idea of apes plan- on a planet, and then it justifies it uh, at the
2: end. Really, like I, I think almost justifies it immediately in terms of like the, uh, in terms of like you getting on board by like the horror of like what these apes are doing. The, the idea that the first thing you, first thing you see of these apes is them hunting humans. Like you're like, oh shit, like, like you have to take them seriously as a threat, which then sort of forces you to take them seriously overall. Um, and then that sort of proceeds from there.
0: Were were there any other thoughts anyone wanted to say about uh, this movie? Any concluding thoughts? What they hope to see in maybe the next entry? I, I think if there was one thing that I
1: found to be uh, kind of silly, it was uh, the character of Lucius, <laughs> who was the uh, the nephew of Zira, and how he just kind of
2: there partly as like a uh, he's, he's, oh the kids will want a young young boy to root for. Oh him, yeah, I th- think.
0: there's there's very much like. Uh, Taylor and him have like he, he's like literally talking to him like he's like a flower child of the yeah, 1960s. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. Keep 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 up the uh, the the braggadocio or whatever yeah, he says. Like, don't, don't, don't trust, trust, trust anyone, anyone over 30. Over 30. Well, I, <laughs> and it's like it's
1: like after he shaves and they're like, "Why did you scrape the the hair off your face?" And he's like, "In uh, yeah, yeah. in my world, only people your age wear beards." And he goes, <laughs> "I don't go in for fads." In for it's fads, just such yeah. like a weird 60s line delivery. But that, um,
2: but then is followed up by, oh, it makes you look less intelligent. I was like, yeah. oh, of course, because they all have beards. Like I was like, oh, that's kind of fun.
1: Yeah, and it's, I don't know, it's they they almost set him up to be like the little kid from Shane at the very end too, where he's like, mm-hmm. Zira
2: thinks you're being being foolish, and I agree. I my one of my I think my favorite li- favorite lines for some reason is like just that they give they give Doctor Zeus a lot of humanity, and I, I think it might just be the actor is really good. Like that, some other actor would like play this really like schlocky and big. And he's just like, like earnestly like, no, this is what must be done to save, save uh, sapiens kind from the horrors of humanity. Um, uh, like that last line where like, they're like, uh, both of the scientists are like, well, we, we proved ourselves right. It's like, no, no, you got to go. You got to go away for heresy. I, I find no joy in it, but you must. It's like, oh, shit. OK. <laughs> this, this band is leaving behind an authoritarian state. It's like, yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah. So uh, Morris Evans is the name of the actor who plays uh, Dr. Zayas. Uh, fun fact: Originally, it was supposed to be uh, Edward G. Robinson. Oh. <laughs> um, and there's actually uh, test footage of when, like, the first iteration of like the makeup, where Edward yeah. G. Robinson plays Doctor Zayas. It's it's kind of horrifying to watch because it's like the makeup, but without any like the ape hair, mm. so it looks oh, no. really weird.
2: Just just like Uncanny Valley ape human man.
0: Yeah, it just looks like a kind of a shaved human. Well, I mean, you know, oh. like no hair. It's look it looks
1: weird. Oh. S- speaking of, of b- behind the scenes images <laughs> on wikipedia there's a picture of kim hunter getting her makeup done while smoking <laughs> out of one of those like long cruel Deville
2: cigarette holders. <laughs> uh, yeah
0: they talked about how they they all needed to have those because
2: they couldn't have it right against It's the only way to smoke yeah. with those mouths oh i i love uh a lot of the extras and i think the kid as well they do the ape walk like it's just like a little more straddled like they're cowboys i really liked that um and the the one i think the the same one that makes the joke or might be a different one one of the prison guard apes is is smoking a cigar and then also charlton heston is smoking a cigar in the middle of trying to survive in the desert i was just like okay i guess the guy does not give a fuck like i don't know i thought that was pretty good
0: well that was he's like smoking He the first thing he does is he's on a spaceship and he lights up a cigarette <laughs> There you Which go. is crazy. And he like puts it in his pocket before he goes into the, <laughs> the suspended animation. Yeah. The oxygen
1: filled tank. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, so I, I guess, you know, that's that's the first movie in a nutshell. I'll give my quick thoughts and then I you guys can um, also give your quick thoughts. You know, a great movie, fantastic science fiction film. Like I said, it came out the same year as two thousand one and it's like honestly astonishing that this is like on the same level. Um, you know, when you consider the titles of each like one sounds clearly like you know more superior than the other than like oh this is just a movie about you know monkeys on a planet but it's like this is great full of lots of ideas there's action in it but not so much that it like overwhelms you know the story that's honestly a movie about ideas which i think is sorely lacking in a lot of science fiction films today yeah i
1: i I would agree with all of that i also just found out that this is based on a book that in the united kingdom was called monkey planet which is kind of funny um (laughs) but uh yeah i i think that this is like you know it's not just this is not just like oh this is like good for like an old science fiction movie like this is to me it's like a legitimately like very good movie and if you enjoy movies you should watch it right um also just 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 to put a pin on this just so i don't forget it um remember the scenes where uh the 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 apes are kind of taunting taylor in his cage because there's actually very similar scenes in rise of the planet of the apes which we'll get to eventually Ah, the the illusion back to the original
2: yes Uh, yeah I I enjoyed this movie I think in terms of like the in terms of the cinematography in terms of like the key shots especially like the courtroom scene like I think when they're in it they're really in it and sometimes when they're in the travel scenes like I I guess they're trying to get wide vistas and really show you the landscape because that's sort of like part of the you don't have the internet so like this is the way you go see cool incredible views um you do get lost a little bit there. Um, I gotta admit, I I did not realize. And I don't mean to allude towards the future, but did they make a, a Planet of the Apes movie basically every year of the seventies? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, um, who this will this will be interesting.
0: Well, yeah, they made. Uh, they waited two years to make the sequel, and then they they cranked them out. It'll be it'll be funny when we get to the next one, and then it's like oh they had to make a sequel to the next one. Uh, I don't want to give anything away, but it's it gets really funny.
2: <laughs> okay, okay, well, we 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 are going to flow down the river of ham. But no, I'm I'm excited. It's it's an interesting one, and especially like the to to see the staying power of this movie. That like if the Simpsons have made fun of it on multiple different episodes, you know that it's sort of like a status symbol of society, and like that you can. Quote that you, you can do the charlton hesson voice in that last line and basically everyone will know what you're doing like i don't know it's pretty good or damn dirty ape like yeah the, well, the, uh, what that effect i knew that without having ever seen the movie like i don't know it's pretty
0: we'll talk about it when we get to like the newer movies but it really shows mm-hmm. like the staying power of this franchise and how it's like still relevant and like how there will be a new one next year i believe and it really just like um i mean I, we'll give our thoughts as we go along but i honestly think like mm-hmm. for the most part, like all these films are well, not all of them, but you know, for the most part, like grand majority, I would say these are all like really great sci-fi films. And it's, I feel like this before, like the new trilogy, Planet of the Apes mm-hmm. might've had like kind of a campy reputation sort of. Mm-hmm. And like people just like only remembering like the ending and like the Charlton Heston sort of catchphrases. But I honestly think it's a really strong franchise with a lot of really strong foundations underneath it.
2: Excited to venture through the seventies. with you.
0: So on that note, I guess we'll wrap up. Uh, Mike, People can email us, right? How do people get in touch with us?
1: Yes, please do email us at contact at com. Tell us what you think about Planet of the Apes and which movie is your favorite, which ape is your favorite. And you can find this podcast anywhere you can find podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Google, what have you. Uh, like, rate, and subscribe, as they say. I, I, I don't say that enough on all the other podcasts I do, but, but please do that because um, like we said, we like your feedback and we, we want it in our inbox and for the w- whole world to see as long as it's good. You can also find these podcasts at thepostwriter.com where you can find some of my writing. You can also find my writing at The Writing and you can find me on Twitter at EmLevito and Letterboxd
0: at Chris, do you want to plug your Magic Mike articles?
2: Uh, yes. The, my, the new uh, of my hopeful by, by the time I listen to this uh, series of articles uh, at least have, have, have my second out um uh, other than that
0: um how would magic mike fare on, on the planet of the apes
2: <laughs> look i think he might do pretty well like i don't know like uh, uh i don't how how important is dancing like it, it's not set it's not yeah. set out like that was the one nice thing that i'm i'm i understand that you don't get that much of ape culture like you sort of only get the outsides of it because you're you're imprisoned the, the same way an ape would only see sort of the weird weird uh basements of uh, man culture, uh, but I don't know. I was uh, excited to see a little bit more about uh, ape culture in some of these upcoming movies.
1: That j- just to cut in for one second, one thing I didn't mention, but Magic Might made me think of, <laughs> is uh, the score for this movie. Very good. Lots of weird, dissonant, like piano notes and stuff. Yeah,
2: especially like the, the scene. Um, okay, I'm trying to think. The scene over Yeah, the, the Jerry Goldsmith walking did a lot on Star Trek lake. music, too. Oh. But the, the scene of them going to the lake, there's this weird like, duddle, 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 duddle. it's like this little, it's like, oh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, it's weird. The, the, the score is commonly cited as a high point along with the uh, like ape makeup, which is all the more shocking how like you were saying like the ending has like no music. You're just mm-hmm. like meant to sink in the uh, emotions of like, oh God, mm-hmm. what planet are we living on?
2: The, the one time I can really remember the, the Mujib being a little schlocky is when they crash land um or when, when they they haven't even crashed landed yet i don't think that you just like are seeing the front of their thing going into the water and it's the the music immediately starts like, it's like oh, oh, okay yeah, exactly. it's, but it's sort of walking you into it but then it gets a little crazier and nice
0: i like i was more focused on the camera work because that's like that was before drones so like they actually like yeah. had to do that Those, <laughs> so that was that was impressive i
2: I I don't give those enough credit. Those were, especially like the the Vista shots, those are very impressive without drawing All
0: right, so, you know, I think we're all saying go watch Planet of the Apes if you haven't seen it, and tune in for our next podcast episode where we'll be discussing the sequel, Beneath the Planet of the Apes. You know, with a title like that, how could it possibly fail? Uh, (laughs) See you next time, everybody. Bye.
1: enjoying this podcast and wondering where you can find more intelligent and insightful content just like it, just head over to thepository.com where you can find the latest opinion and analysis on politics, music, film, television, and a litany of other topics. In addition to our articles and podcasts, you can also check out our visual features like our Floor Fight Bracket, our 2024 Republican nomination draft, and in presidential election and midterm election years, a map with all of our analysis. And if you like what you read, you can subscribe to our newsletter. And if you're feeling generous, donate to the site so we can keep churning out the content you know and love. If you love the site so much that you want to write for it, drop us a line at contactatthepostwriter.com. We're always looking for new contributors and willing to read any pitch you may have. That's the great thing about The Post Writer. It's not just about us, it's also about you. So head over to thepostwriter.com and see if there's anything that piques your interest bet there is